Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast comes from Frito Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. David Walker, on today's podcast, we're going to talk about the Falcons' defense, how we feel about it, the grades we're going to give them going into the 2021 season. Joining me to do this, uh, he is a writer at Sports Talk ATL. He's been on the podcast before, one and only Jake Gordon. Jake, thanks for joining me, man. Absolutely, man. You know I love coming on here and and uh, chopping it up with you. So uh, we'll get to talking about this defense. Like, you know, we, we kind of have similar opinions on them, so I'm interested to see what you have to say about them. Yeah, um, last time you and I got together, we talked about the corners a little bit, and uh, I think I was a little bit surprised. I came away actually being somewhat optimistic, uh, and I think people may be a little bit surprised, other than you know maybe some key positions, we'll talk about it, that I'm actually somewhat optimistic about this group as a whole. So I want to start in the trenches, because obviously it all starts there, uh, and this has been an area of weakness for the Falcons for many years. Although I think sometimes that's overstated. It's a unit that at times has been actually fairly good at run blocking. Uh, I, I think you know when people think about defense, they think only about pass rush, uh, which has not been a strong suit for a long time. But uh, I'm going to go with how the Falcons have their depth chart laid out. Right now, they are showing themselves to be a 3-4 defense. Um, I, I don't want anyone to get too hung up on that because the semantics of that don't matter nearly as much as they used to. Uh, you're going to see a lot of four-man fronts. You're going to see, you know, different formations. So, you know, but but from the standpoint of talking about the roster, we're going to talk about how they have it laid out um, on the website for their depth chart. And let's talk about the guys in the middle. Um, and it, in my opinion, it starts with one and only one name, and that's Grady Jarrett. Um, he is undoubtedly one of the best interior defensive linemen, defensive pass rushers in the league. Uh, I think we often take him for granted, but there are a lot of teams that would love to have a Grady Jarrett um, on their defensive uh, line anchoring it. So uh, starting with Grady Jarrett and then talking about some of these other guys, Marlon Davidson, uh, rookie Taquan Graham, Tyler Davidson, um, you know, some additional names, Jonathan Bullard, John Kaminsky. Give me your thoughts on some of these individual names, your thoughts on the players and, and where you might grade them going into this 2021 season. Yeah, and, you know, before I get to the grade, I will say any group with Grady Jarrett, you know, they get above a B for me. I mean, he is that good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he you is. know, you ha you have Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is in a league of his own, obviously. 
but I think when you talk about that second tier of interior defenders, Grady Jarrett's my first name on the list. You got guys like Chris Jones, Fletcher Cox. You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm leaving a few names off, but he's in that conversation. And uh, so he props up this group a lot, but I think there's still a lot to like about him. Uh, I still believe in the potential of John Kaminsky uh, and Marlon Davidson. I, I think both of those guys could be solid contributors and rotating in. Uh, Tyler Davidson, nice guy, uh, nice guy for the price. Um, you know, he, he's there on a fairly cheap deal. Uh, I think I think they voided his contract or uh, they cut him and re-signed him. I can't remember. They did some kind of finagling with him, though. Um, John Bullard uh, had some moments in the preseason. Uh, Taquan Graham, you know, I think he's a little bit of a work in, pro- uh, a work in uh, process, but uh, I like him, too. You know, I, I can see some upside there, and the, obviously the Falcons, they just needed some bodies there. I didn't think he was the worst pick. Um, I didn't think he was the best pick, but, I, you know, I think there's something there for sure. And, uh, you know, you know how I am. I'm a little bullish on this defense just from mm-hmm. the coaching. As I've said, you know, this defense is going to be about X's and O's and not Jimmy's and Joe's. You know, you got a couple Joe's, uh, but I'm going to give them a B plus because I think they're going to be schemed into a lot of success. Um, and that's huge for guys like Kaminsky, Davidson, Graham, and, you know, guys like Davidson and Bullock play, you know, play their roles. Yeah. And uh, to be clear, uh, Mike Rothstein of ESPN had a fantastic piece. Uh, you guys should definitely go read it. It came out on Friday, uh, sort of a deep dive on defensive coordinator Dean Pease. And I think I speak for both of us in saying that he's the guy that gives us a lot of confidence about this unit going into this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, we a lot of us, a lot of us were saying, hey, let's, let's see if we can get Wade Phillips, uh, you know, back in Atlanta, get him out of retirement. Right. I mean, uh, Dean Pease is pretty similar. Um, you know, maybe not totally in coaching philosophy, but they're the old, uh, the old guard, the Zen masters, you know, dialing up uh, pressure and getting creative. So, I think he was a great hire, and I think he's gonna. Yeah, I think he's gonna improve. We, you know, we saw even under Raheem Morris uh, and Jeff Ulbrich, this unit get a lot better at the end of the year, and I think DC yes. is gonna bring a lot more of that out. Yep, absolutely. And and it's funny people sort of look back on 2020 and think, oh god, the defense was terrible. Actually, if you look at it, they finished uh, just outside the the top 16, 17. Uh, if you go by DVOA and they actually finished the year fairly strong. And, and you know, Dean Pease pointed out the game they had against um, Kansas City. And it, it's easy to sort of forget about that, but they played exceptionally well. And to your point, I, I do feel like um, we have actually upgraded from that coaching staff. Uh, no disrespect at all to, you know, Raheem Morris, but uh, Dean Pease is, in my opinion, uh, one of the best defensive coordinators we've had on the Falcons in ages and maybe, I mean, you'd have to go back to the nineties to find anyone that's comparable. And even then, I don't know that you find someone that's got the pedigree that Pease has, but back to the guys, because you know, the coaching is a different issue. The actual players I'm with you, Grady Jarrett. He is in that next tier uh, right behind Aaron Donald. He is a guy that um, honestly, uh, there were a couple of times last year where he got flagged for roughing the passer for basically not defying the laws of physics and falling on the quarterback. <laughs> and he probably would have had eight or nine sacks if it weren't for those garbage, garbage calls that were called against him. Uh, and from an interior pass rush position, I, I, I can't emphasize again how incredible that is uh, for an interior pass rusher. Um, I am actually really excited to see what Marlon Davidson is going to do this year. Um, he's already shown up pretty good in the preseason and, you know, preseason is what it is, but uh, I feel like he's got a tremendous amount of potential. Tyler Davison, you know, for what he does uh, is a, a decent player. 
Bullard looked really good this preseason. I'd love to see what he's going to do. And Kaminsky, I'm with you. He is a player that it's sort of a wild card still, but he's shown flashes of being able to really be disruptive, uh, especially uh, as more of an interior pass rusher instead of coming off the edge. Uh, and honestly, where Taquan Graham is concerned, he's a player I think that there's a strong potential that he's just going to be inactive uh, in most game days. So if we're looking at these, you know, these top five guys, yeah, I think a, a B plus uh, is uh, a, a good grade. They're not the most dominant unit, but I think they're going to be a lot better than people are anticipating. Um, well, we're off to a good start because that is exactly what I had. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, all right, good. Outside linebacker. This is where I want to go next because this is where the pass rush is supposed to come from. Uh, again, I think that's going to be overstated because everyone thinks, okay, three, four, it's all about your outside linebackers, the stand-up rushers. And that's true to an extent. I think if you've watched a DNP's defense, you know that he brings pressure from everywhere, not just the linebackers. That's one of the things he's known for is bringing literally the every single position in as a pass rusher. Uh, he demands a lot of his players in that regard. But the current outside linebackers we've got, now this is where I feel like the Falcons do have some challenges. Um, and it's not, it's, it's just, there's a lot of questions and it's not that they can't be good. It's just that they're open questions. And it starts with, uh, what I think are the presumed two starters. They don't have them listed as a starter, but I'm going to override the depth chart here and say, (laughs) we're, we're talking about Dante Fowler on one side and probably a variation of either Jacob to OT Mariner or, uh, Steven means on the other side. With the noted exception that Adida Kumbu Ogundeji could at some point crack into that starting lineup, given the the preseason he had and, and the you know the training camp that he had. What are your thoughts on these players? Am I off base and feeling like this may be the weaker unit of any on this defense? I wouldn't say the weakest, but you're definitely not wrong about that. And I, I think as much as you know, fans don't want to admit it, and I believe that DMPs will get a lot of guys involved. This grade, this group is going to go as Dante Fowler goes. Uh, and thankfully, he switched to a single-digit number, so he's good for a few extra sacks on that. But um, I think uh, I think Jacob Toyde Mariner is a little underrated. Uh, I think he's a great player. Hmm. Um, yeah, I you know, he's, he's probably a second-unit guy on most teams, but I kind of like the way he plays. If you think back to the Oakland game, man, he, he went bananas. Yeah, and yeah. Granted, you know, everybody has big games, uh, but I, I think he's a little underrated. Not a lot underrated, but maybe just a little bit. Um, <laughs> and then Stephen Means. How can you not love Stephen Means? That guy is that guy's awesome. You know, he is he is a heart and soul type guy. He's gonna be he's gonna bring the energy. He's gonna bring the passion. And I think if you can scheme a guy like that into the action instead of him just having to win one on one, I think you'll have some success. And um, yep. y- go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Keep going. I yeah, I think. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Ogundeji, his expectations are sky high. Um, and I really like his upside, but I think he's going to land somewhere in the middle. Um, I'm not, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some fans are on the side of, you know, he's going to get 15 sacks this year. And then, you know, <laughs> being a, him being a sixth round pick, I, I got him somewhere in the middle, really depending on how much he plays. But if he comes out and gets six or seven sacks as a sixth round pick, which I don't think is too out of bounds, that might be a little high. I mean, that's a huge win, especially for a first year regime. Um so I, I like his potential. I really think he's going to force himself into the action. Um, and another guy too, I mean, Brandon Copeland, um, he showed some flashes in the preseason. He might get involved as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the thing about Ogundeji that's really interesting is a lot of people when uh, it came to him 
thought he was going to have essentially a red shirt season coming in. I did. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he was going to be a player that maybe would be active for a few games during the year, sort of like with Taquan Graham, how I feel about Graham right now, that you know he might be active towards the back end of the season or he might get active if guys ahead of him got injured. But right now, I think it's almost a foregone conclusion that he's going to be active on game days, especially with what he's shown in the preseason. Um, I'm with you. I, I feel like we're going to split the difference on what he's going to be able to do this year. But the upside there is is really intriguing. Now, uh, Tui Odi Mariner, whose name I have massacred on this podcast for years, uh, <laughs> is a guy. I love him. Uh, he is the kind of story you want to see come out teams where you know he spent time in the practice squad. They slowly developed him. Uh, he's a guy, you know, started under Quinn and, and has continued to earn more and more playing time uh, as he's gone. And uh, I think you're right. I think he's a little bit underrated. Uh, agree. He'd probably be part of the second unit on a lot of, you know, uh, better defenses. Uh, but again, I think the wild card here is what can Dean Pease do with him? What can he do uh, to get more out of this talent? So I'm really curious to see what your grade is for the, for the outside linebackers, because, like I said, it, it, we didn't even touch on Dante Fowler. So before we get the grades, I, want, I do want to talk about Dante Fowler just for one second. Um, a lot of fans are a little bit nervous about him. And I want to say this. He played the majority of last year when he did play on a high ankle sprain. Um, if you've ever had a high ankle sprain, it is a miserable, miserable injury. Um, it, it's I've had all sorts of ankle sprains and the high ankle sprain absolutely destroys your ability um, to anchor, to run. Uh, it is, it's just, it feels like the entire lower portion of your leg, whenever you step or move is just in this throbbing pain. And that is what Fowler was playing with as a pass rusher that leans pretty heavily on his speed. That is a massive detriment to his game. And I think mm-hmm. we have to take that into account when we look at his 2020 and his lack of production, um, I personally think that Fowler is going to have another. I don't want to. I don't want to predict total number of sacks, but I think he's going to have a good season. Um, I don't think he's going to be the top pass rusher in the league or anything of that nature. But I think him getting close to eight to ten sacks is not unreasonable at all, especially with what Pease is going to do in mixing up the rush uh, from safeties and corners and inside linebackers also blitzing. What do you think about? Dante, do you feel feel like I'm out of line there? Do you feel like he may actually? Do you agree with me that he he may be in line for a bounce back season? I I said on Twitter it was it, it's been a couple weeks and I I expected to just get roasted for this, but I said uh, I think Dante Fowler's gonna have double digit sacks. Ah, uh, how many go. how many more how many more than double digits yet to be seen? Um, but <laughs> you know a lot of people were replying and they were like, yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with this, and I was expecting everybody to be like, oh no, he's terrible and all this, but I, I think. You know, uh, this may not play too much into it, too, but now he's in a contract year. He had the last year of his contract. Yep. Um, he seems very committed um, to trying to make things work here, and he seems committed to being better. He's a guy, you know, he wouldn't have avoided his contract if, uh, you know, if he didn't want more out of himself. At least that's my right. opinion. Uh, he could have just taken his guaranteed money when the Falcons cut him and went and got another deal. Somebody else would find him. Um, so that's encouraging for me. I think he's going to have a good season. Um, and that's why I'm a little more bullish on the Falcons pass rush. I think they're going to do a lot better job of generating sacks and turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it, this is really where it starts. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, 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 I think Dante Fowler is going to be in for a bounce back season. I'm, I'm with you. I don't think he's going to be talked about as one of the 15 best pass rushers in the league. Like, you know, some may have said about him when he was in LA, uh, tearing it up with, with Aaron Donald on that defense. Uh, but I think he's going to be much improved. Yeah. And, you know, we keep talking about Dean Pease, but I think that's the, the, the differentiator here is that, uh, a veteran coordinator like Pease, who's, uh, you know, made uh, made more with less, I think is going to get a lot more out of Fowler uh, than what Dan Quinn did here last year. So uh, for the five games that Dan Quinn was, I feel like we're, we're going to throw Dan Quinn under the bus a lot this year uh, as Falcons fans. But the reality was what happened last year was, um, you know, he was only here for five games, folks. So, yeah. Uh, but, you know, to your point, the, the defense did finish strong. So, that probably doesn't help Quinn either. Uh, all right. Outside <laughs> linebackers, Jake, how do you feel about them? What kind of grade are you leaning towards? Uh, I may regret this eventually, but I gave him a B minus. Okay. Um, I was leaning in. I feel like it's a C unit, but with upside. And uh, in order to get above a C, they need Fowler to have a good year. Um, they need Ogundeji to be a regular quality contributor. But I don't feel like either of those things is out of line. I feel like the possibility is there. I feel like the potential is there. So I'm going to say C, but uh, with the uh, upside to get into the B, B-plus territory uh, as the season progresses. Um, yeah, I, I have very high hopes because it's not a lot of what we saw with Quinn where it's like, hey, cover three, go out and beat the guy in front of you. Um, and, and, you know, as far as personnel goes, I, I had C-plus and then I was like, ah, but I think Fowler's going to you know, get a decent amount of sacks. And so I kind of went back and forth. Uh, but then I remembered I said Tyler was going to have double digit sacks, so I had to go B minus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta lean into your original prediction. I, I exactly, I respect it. Exactly. Um, all right, I want to shift over to the inside linebackers because uh, I feel like this is a really good unit. Um, mm-hmm. We are obviously talking about you know two guys because again three four you're only going to have two inside linebackers in this alignment. Uh, they've only got four guys at this position, which is normal. You know, I don't want anyone to freak out at the lack of depth. Uh, Deion Jones, uh, in my opinion, the best coverage linebacker in the league. Uh, absolutely elite speed, top-level speed. Um, this is a guy that I feel like people overlook this, but he regularly shut down Alvin, Alvin Kamara when we played the Saints. Um, mm-hmm. And like, there are very, very few linebackers that did that at all. Uh, all of the last two years and Deion Jones did it on a semi-regular basis uh, next to him, who is now the Mike foyer Aluakun, who had a breakout year last year. And I think, you know, this is a contract year as well for him. And I think he's going to make a big impression on the league. He, he made an impression on Falcons fans last year. I think he forced four or five fumbles in the season, which is ridiculous. Um, and then behind them, like, uh, it arguably could be a starter on a lot of other teams. Michael Walker in his second year looked really good this preseason, uh, building on what was, I thought, an underrated rookie campaign. And then the undrafted free agent, Dorian Etheridge, who made the roster the only, under, the only other undrafted free agent to make it other than Felipe Franks on this roster. Um, he had a very solid uh, preseason. Um, I am really bullish on this group, especially from the standpoint of uh, the pass rush as well. Deion Jones had, I believe, four and a half sacks last year. Foyer, I think, added three, three and a half in that range. Um, Michael Walker, I think, is going to have really good opportunities in that regard here. 
This is a unit that I feel is being overlooked, and I think it may be one of the strongest units on the team. Uh, what do you think about it, Jake? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, when when you ask, you know, the average NFL uh, NFL fan, you say, hey, you know, who has the best, you know, off-ball inside linebackers in the league? Most of them will rightfully, you know, they'll start to say, ah, you know, San Francisco, uh, Tampa Bay, and they probably won't list the Falcons. But I, I'm with you. I think this group is so incredibly talented. And you talk about Deion Jones being such a good coverage linebacker. I, I can't remember. Somebody pointed this out on Twitter. It's, it's escaping me. But uh, Carlos Dansby, Derek Brooks, those guys played over 200 games um, and all-time leaders in interceptions returned for a touchdown by linebackers. In mm-hmm. 69 games, Deion Jones is one short all-time uh, <laughs> of being the leader of interceptions returned for a touchdown. That's incredible. He's only, that is you know, amazing. Yeah. And uh, – you know, he, he's a ball hawk and he's so athletic, like you said. I, you know, that it's funny. You know, I, I have my little points about each guy. I just wrote Dion as Dion, man. Like, he, he is so awesome. <laughs> Very underappreciated. But, the, the uh, you know, this – I love Foyasadi Aluakon, too, man. We saw him in the Dallas game for, uh, forcing turnovers. He's, oh, my word. He's that kind of see ball, get ball type linebacker. Uh, you know, former safety. But, man, he is massive now. I mean, they, they really packed mm-hmm. the pounds onto him. And uh, that, you know, that's a guy you thought was going to be a, a hopefully a solid special teamer as a six round pick. And he's he's one of the best players on the entire defense. Yes. Uh, and I, he's, he's due for a big contract. And I really hope they get it done uh, because I, th- I think he's going to earn it this year. Honestly, I, I think he's yep. going to go out there and say this is the guy you have to keep. And, uh, you know, in that same vein, absolutely love Michael Walker. Um, one of the best coverage linebackers, uh, you know, according to PFF in the entire league last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just, just an incredible, very instinctive, you know, and you just don't expect that from a guy out of Fresno State, a fourth, fifth round pick. Um, you just don't expect those type of instincts and that type of game sense already. And now his body's coming along a little bit, and you know, he's, he's kind of growing into that role. And it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. I think we could see him rotate into the pass rush at times. Uh, and, you know, in nickel packages, he'll be extremely valuable too if you got a two tight end set or something. Yep. Uh, and Dorian, Dorian Etheridge really liked Dorian Etheridge looked nice in the preseason. You know, that thumper, uh, see ball, get ball had three tackles for a loss against the Titans, I think. Yes. Uh, and I, I, have to, I think it's a strong unit. I will say I was a little surprised that Earl Thompson, uh, didn't make the practice squad because I liked a little bit of what I saw out of him too. Yep. But I mean, those, th- those, those are the guys. I mean, that no question that, that those were the five guys at the end of the year. Yeah. And I'll tell you the, the, the league has shifted. Um, it used to be that you needed the Curtis Lofton type of linebacker in the middle, you know, the guy that you could count on for those second level tackles and uh, that could, you know, come downfield. And, but these days, every single team in the NFL, except for like a dirt cutter run offense uses their running backs out of the backfield as receivers. And you have Mm -hmm. to have linebackers that can keep pace with, you know, these running backs. Um, Offensive coordinators are getting more and more creative in how they use tight ends, how they use the backs. Um, so guys like Jones, Walker, Aluakun, they are the new prototype. And I feel like the Falcons have three legitimate uh, linebackers that are all uh, at minimum just good in coverage. And then you talk about Jones, who's elite in coverage. Like that's that is rare. Uh, it's hard to find, you know, linebackers like this. And then you add on, as you mentioned, you know, the, the uh, capabilities of Foyer to go in there and force fumbles. I mean, that, that what he did in Dallas is a crime in like 35 states. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember how many fumbles he forced because I refused to watch that game again. <laughs> I, I think it was three. I think it legitimately I think was, it was three, three in the same I think game. Were in the first quarter. Something like that. <laughs> and he, he didn't even finish that game. He got injured in that game. 
so it was like in the first half of the game where he forced three fumbles and yet they lost. Anyhow, um, <laughs> what do you feel about this group? Uh, what kind of grade are you going to give them? I will say the addition of Dorian Etheridge and the ability to be like that thumper potentially in letting Dion be more of that will is, is something that's really enticing to me. And I think he really completes this unit. I'm giving him an A. Um, the A plus, I don't know if I can label any part of this defense an A plus. I can't, I can't right. label many units in the NFL an A plus. I'm giving them an A. That's really the highest grade I could probably give anybody. Um, and I think they're going to, I think they're going to turn a lot of heads this year. I think people are going to start really paying attention to them and start putting them up there with, you know, the Tampa Bay, the San Francisco, you know, maybe even like an Indianapolis, those upper tier linebacker units in the NFL. Yeah, I am really bullish on these four guys. Um, you know, obviously Etheridge is you know, sort of, as you mentioned, he's, uh, I'll be surprised if he's always active on game day, but we'll see. We'll see how that plays mm-hmm. out. Um, but uh, Jones, a little kind of a walker. I really, really love what the Falcons have done here. They're drafting, uh, you know, I don't want to give Dimitrov too much credit, but the drafting, none of these guys are first-round picks. You know, Jones was taking the second round, Foye in the sixth, Michael Walker, I believe, in the fourth or fifth, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, I'm going with an A. This feels like a really top-notch unit. Uh, again, I, I just can't get over the fact that, you know, teams look at Alvin Kamara and they're like, Hey, this guy is amazing. And, and Deion Jones regularly shuts him down. And it just like, people just dismiss it. And it's in my mind, it's like, come on, this is, you know, I'll <laughs> never funny fr- too. in a division with Christian McCaffrey too. I mean, we haven't even talked oh, yeah. about him and, you know, he's going to be back healthy this year. Yeah. And having, having these guys is critical to being able to counter the players like that. So um, yeah, I'm with you. Really bullish on this unit, and I think uh, it's going to be fun to watch them this year. All right, we're going to talk about the back end of this defense, the safeties and the corners. Uh, you may be surprised about what we feel about these guys, uh, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm joined by Jake Gordon. We're talking about the Falcons' defense, our grades for them going into the 2021 season. Obviously, take all of this with a grain of salt, folks. Um, we're talking about you know guys before the games are even played. Um, but these are sort of initial impressions of the, the players, the quality of the players, what we've seen from them. Uh, we've talked about the defensive line, the linebackers. Let's talk about the back end of this defense because in the past – uh, especially in recent years, this has been a unit that has been at times problematic. A lot of that has been due to injuries. You know, we've we've seen guys like uh, Keanu Neal, Ricardo Allen, um, Demonte Casey all go down with season-ending injuries over the past several years. So some of that is not uh, is just simply the nature of the NFL, but some of it has you know been talent issues. I am of the mind that some of that is hopefully knock on wood in the past. Um, I want to start with the safeties because I want to finish up with what we've got at corner. Um, They brought in two veterans to anchor the safety position for now. They're both on one-year deals, uh, Eric Harris, Deron Harmon. um, And behind them are 
what I think are you know two really promising players that I think next year are probably going to be our starters at safety. Uh, second round pick Richie Grant and uh, fourth round pick from last year Jalen Hawkins, who I think you could argue had one of the best preseasons of any defender. Uh, on this roster. Um, so let's start with the the two presumed starters for now. What do you feel about Harris and, and Harmon? And, you know, after that, talk about uh, the, the potential of Hawkins and Grant. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't catch a lot of Las Vegas Raiders football because I tend to value my time. Uh, <laughs> but um, Shots Eric fired! Harris, I know, right? But, it, it, you know, hey, I, I think they know. But, you know, you look at a guy like Eric Harris, uh, from all accounts, super high character guy, uh, you know, solid and run support uh, can step up in the box and make some plays there uh, can get touched up in coverage a little bit. Uh, that could be a product of the Raiders secondary as a whole, which it's not exactly like he's coming over to the to the 2013 Seahawks uh, from the Raiders. But uh, I think he'll be decent in run support. Uh, you may have to get him out of there on nickel and, you know, bring in a Jalen Hawkins or, or a Richie Grant. But I, I think. Deron Harmon, he's just, he was made for Dean Pease's defense. <laughs> you know, it's all, all that time he spent. I don't know if there was any overlap between him and Pease in New England, but, you know, that switchability, uh, that ability to move around. And, you know, by all accounts, Harmon's another guy. He's just a super high character guy, you know, super, yep. um, you know, very, very, uh, very much in a leader role, which is, which is good to have it out of a safety suit. Uh, and so I like both of those guys. I think Harmon will earn a second contract. I don't know about Harris, uh, but I think Harmon, I think he's going to fit right in. I think he's going to make a lot of good plays. And I think the Falcons will give him an extension, but that's putting the cart before the horse. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm high-ish on those two guys. I, I don't know if they're going to be the savior for every single little problem that we have. But when you talk about going from Ricardo Allen and Keanu Neal, two guys who have been there forever, um, it's, it's definitely a different look. <laughs> it is. And it's. Uh, I'm with you. Eric Harris, I think is he's decent enough. He's got issues that we're going to have to work around, um, you know. But when you're signing, you know, veterans like this to be essentially stop gaps, uh, he's I think as good as you get for sort of that price range, you know. So when you're shopping at Dollar Tree, uh, you're not getting you know top notch Target uh, <laughs> merchandise. <laughs> um, but we got the best of the Dollar Tree brand. Um, and I, you know, I think Harris is better than, you know, Dollar Tree. Let's be very clear. Uh, but I'm with you. John Harmon uh, has, he's, he's 30 years old. He's been in the league for a while. I think his mentorship of uh, Grant and Hawkins is very notable. As you mentioned, uh, he is someone that has taken both those guys uh, under his wing, in particular, Richie Grant. And that I think is going to pay uh, dividends over the long term. And I, I really love that the Falcons have brought in guys like that, that are mentors. Now, Hawkins and Grant. Uh, I again, last year Hawkins was able to play a little bit until he got injured and, and sort of missed out on the last several games of the season. When he was in there, uh, I thought he played fairly well. I did not anticipate sort of the jump that he would make from last year to what we saw this preseason. His individual play this preseason looked really like a, a big leap forward. Um, Richie Grant, uh, I think. Fans need to understand um, Dean Pease asks a lot of the players in his secondary. Mm -hmm. um, he expects all of these guys to know every position and the responsibilities of those positions. And that's going to put a lot of pressure on those safeties uh, on the linebackers. And 
you know, Grant is probably going to need some time to get used to all of those responsibilities. He can't just learn being a safety. He has to know what it's like to be a corner. He has to know what it's like to be a linebacker. Um, that is a big ask. And for any rookie to come in, it's going to take time. Uh, and if he's not on the field immediately, that does not mean he's a bust. The talent is there. I think he's going to be fine. I'm really bullish on what he is going to do on the back half of this year and into 2022. So what do you feel about Hawkins and Grant uh, and, and their long-term potential? Yeah, and, and you're totally right about with Dean Pease. And I think that's why we saw the Falcons make a lot of the choices we did in the draft. is isn't saying anything groundbreaking. It's been said 100 times. But they targeted intelligent guys uh, and, and, a, and older guys, seniors, you know, captains, guys who appeared to have their head on their shoulders because this defense is not easy to learn. There's a lot going on. Yep. Um, but that was, that was one of, that was my, that was my note on Hawkins. I was like, Hey, you know, he looks like he's really developing. I think that's something a lot of people were banking on to start the season. Uh, and, and that's very encouraging besides, you know, I got to shout him out when I was at a uh, Falcons practice and he got absolutely mossed by Parker. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I remember I was like, somebody just got, I was like, cause I didn't, I, I didn't know if it was Parker Hess or whoever, you know, he was one of, you know, one of the 50 tight ends we had out there. I was like, somebody just got ate up. Like, oh, it's Jalen Hawkins. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, he, he, we saw him make a couple good plays during the preseason, shoring up that back end, you know, playing that center field role. And I think mm-hmm. he's, I think he's going to see a lot of playing time, especially in nickel. And I, I trust him. Uh, I, I think he's going to be okay back there. I'm not really worried about it. And uh, yeah, Richie Grant didn't look spectacular, but the thing is, he's a rookie. Uh, you, like you said, this is a lot to learn in a defense. And I think the three guys ahead of him uh, will allow him to come on in spots and kind of get get some feel for the game, get some of that game sense. Uh, he has great instincts. He had great instincts at UCF. Uh, but it's obviously a big jump in competition. And, and, and I think he will grow into it. And I think by the end of the season, we're going to be feeling a lot better about Rich Grant. Yeah, uh, 100%. Uh, I do want to note the Falcons have TJ Green listed as a safety Um, he's probably going to be more of a quote unquote DB where he is going to see time both at safety and at corner. Uh, He's a bigger player. I think he's like six foot three, Um, but he's a player that I think as well uh, is he's going to be more of like a, a a backup anyways, but he's going to be deployed by P's sort of all over the field when he does come in. So uh, another player that, you know, I'll just mention him, but uh how do you feel about the safeties and what, what kind of gray would you give this unit? Ah, you know, this, this is one that I wrestled with. Um, and by the way, shout out to TJ green. Good for him. man. he earned that spot. He played really well. He sure did. Um, yeah. um, I, I gave him a C and I'm mm-hmm. kind of still hanging around there. Um, still a passing grade, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I, I like the fit. I like the fits more than anything. And it, it, it really comes down to Eric Harris. No disrespect to Eric Harris. The Falcons obviously liked him very much. He was the first one they signed. Right. Uh, yep. But I think, I, you know, I can't play this game going into my grades, but I think there were a lot of really good safeties on the market. And I thought the Falcons maybe try to come away with one of them. You know, maybe even like a Desmond King playing him at free safety slot corner, whatever. That's neither here nor there. I think as a group, I'm going to give them a C right now, but I think they have a lot of to impress. I think if any group is going to take a big jump and improve that grade, I think it's going to be the safety. Yeah. And I'm right there with you. Uh, I was initially, I sort of was coming in with a D, but uh, I think Harmon and the emergence of Hawkins lifts it up. Uh, and I do think that there's the potential for them to get much better as the season progresses. Um, I like Harris well enough, but he's sort of a, in my mind, a marginal starter. Uh, a guy that you turn to 
because you don't have the salary cap to get someone better, <laughs> um, which is what's true for the Falcons. Let's be honest. Um, they had to do some bargain shopping, but I really liked the Harmon signing. Uh, I feel like he was a, a you know, sort of an underrated uh, free agent for the Falcons this year. And I, I do feel like the two young guys are uh, they're They've got really good upward tra- trajectories. So uh, yeah, I think the C is a, a, a fair grade C minus, you know, in that range, but, Mm-hmm. with a lot of potential to grow with extra homework um, to, to boost. That. <laughs> I agree. They're going to, I think they're going to take their lumps some days, uh, especially the young guys, but I think having Deron Harmon there, he is, he has been one of the more underrated safeties in the league, you know, uh, in terms of PFF, you know, if, if you're into that type of thing, yep. but uh, you know, he's, you know, he's been pretty well in coverage. He had a bad year in Detroit, but that's, that, come on. It's <laughs> you Detroit. Know, when he was playing, yeah, when he was playing in New England for Bill Belichick for 10 years straight, I mean, he was consistently one of the best cover safeties in the league. So I'm excited about him. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Um, all right, last position group. This is one that you and I see eye to eye on, and I think many fans may be a little bit surprised um, by what we see here, but it's the corners. And the, the conversation has to start with second-year player A.J. Terrell because his name has been popping up in the practice notes consistently from all of the guys who cover the Falcons, um, Michael Rothstein, uh, you know, it seemed like every day when he would re- release practice notes, this guy's name was on there for having made plays or standing out, uh, you know, Scott bear at Atlanta Falcons.com, all of them, anyone who watched uh, these guys play every single day, AJ Terrell was jumping out. He had in my mind, an underrated rookie season, uh, we've talked about in the past, you know, 2020 was so disruptive to rookies without rookie training camp, uh, without the uh, preseason. You know, these guys were thrown into the fire and Terrell was one of them. And I felt like he held up pretty well. Um, and then on the opposite side of him, Fabian Moreau, who uh, I again, like the Falcons have had to go bargain bin shopping. And yet I feel like they got another fairly good value in Moreau. Uh, he's he's not going to light the world on fire. He's not here to do that. Um, again, sort of someone to help be a stopgap solution, but he's actually still relatively young, which I feel like we we all sort of gloss over. Um, and he's someone that, uh, what you said about Harmon, I think he could play him, his way into another contract as well. Um, but let's start with the starters before we talk about you know some of the depth here. How do you feel about Terrell and, and Moreau? Well, with AJ Terrell, you know, I said this when we talked about the corners. I think he's the second best corner in that in that class, and you know, he was the third one selected, almost fourth. I think Damon Arnett went right after him. Uh, but the best one out of the whole group so far has been Legarius Sneed, who I think was a second-round pick. Uh, and, and Terrell, man, he had a murderer's row there at the end, and he would get picked on Kansas City, Tampa yeah. Bay twice, I think. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's not a tall task, especially because rookie corners, that is one of the hardest positions in the NFL to adjust to because they're going to come mm-hmm. at you early and often. Um, and I think he really props this, this group up because I am high on A.J. Terrell. I think he's going to have a good season. Uh, and I think Falcons, the, maybe the, the more casual Falcons fan will kind of, you know, not really know much about AJ Terrell. I don't know if he's going to get a ton of interceptions. I really don't think teams are going to throw at him that much, uh, yeah. at least not as much as last year. So I, I think a good season for Terrell is coming, uh, you know, and, and, and talking about training camp again, I remember, uh, you know, jump ball to Kyle Pitts in the end zone. That's dog food for 95% of guys in the league. And Terrell made a really nice pass breakup. I mean, he, he, <laughs> he got his hand in there. You know, and it's encouraging just to see stuff like that. And I think he's just going to be a guy that shows up, uh, punches the clock, isn't going to get a lot of recognition, which is crazy for a first-round pick. And, and he's going to show up and do his job, and I think he's going to do it well. And as far as Fabian Moreau goes, 
number one, I think Terry and uh, Kyle Smith need to get on the phone with his old teammate, Jimmy Moreland. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. I, I think, I think he'll be a lot like Darquez Denard last year, which, you know, credit to Thomas Dimitrov. When they got Darquez Denard last year for less than a million dollars, I was like, that is a great contract. Yeah. And Denard, when he was healthy, was pretty good. Um, and I think he's just going to be that solid, you know, one year contract vet presence. I do like his chances of getting another contract because he is relatively young. Um, and yeah, I like Fabian Moreau's upside. I don't think he's going to be a liability. I think that's the, I think, the, I think that's important. I, th- I don't think he's going to be a well liability. Said. Yep. Yeah. And um, so I think they got two solid starters. Yeah. And honestly, given what they've had at position in past years, um, that is <laughs> better than what we've had. Exactly. Um, right behind them. And it's interesting because a lot of you know, people thought he was going to be the, one of our future starters on the outside. Uh, was Isaiah Oliver. And he has sort of turned into a punching bag for fans. Um, even though, like, if you look at his PFF scores, he grades out as sort of like average. Um, whereas I think fans perceive him as being one of the worst in the league. And he, he really isn't. And I think his play on the field uh, denotes he's not one of the worst in the league. And I think he's in the better position now where he's a little bit closer to line of scrimmage. He's in that nickel role. Um, and he's not going to be out there for 100% of snaps. I feel like that's a good fit for Isaiah Oliver. What do you think about him? Yeah, he's overhated. You know, um, he, yes, he is a liability at times, but I think he was put out of position a lot of times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, I, you know, I keep going back to the comp. Logan Ryan. I don't think he'll be as good as Logan Ryan because Logan Ryan was an excellent player. But I think that's going to be Dean Pease's Logan Ryan. Uh, mm-hmm. Little slot, little safety, big guy, a physical tackler. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of the times, too, they only see the plays where Isaiah Oliver gets beat. And you, with corners, you have to watch them every play. Uh, right. it's, it's, or every pass play, at least, obviously. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of times when Isaiah Oliver's playing pretty good covers. There's a lot yeah. of times when he's not. But I, I think he's vastly just overhated. There, he's the lightning rod. There's always got to be one. You know, it was Vic Beasley before that. Um, and I think in this new role, because I, I just don't see Dean Beasley putting him on the outside. And he shouldn't. Uh, I think in this new role, he's going to be really, really good. Um, well, let me, let me walk that back just a little bit. I think he's going to be good. <laughs> I, think I think he's going to be improved. And I think he'll still get a lot of hate, you know, a lot of hate uh, just because, you know, he's still going to mess up every once in a while. There's no corner yeah. in the league. I think that gets up a 0% completion percentage. Uh, but, you know, I, I think he's going to be a lot more physical. He's going to be able to uh, take a little bit of pressure off himself. And I think he's going to flourish in a new role uh, with this defense. Yeah, I think so. And uh, good kid. Interviewed him uh, after one of the games, just really down to earth. Uh, he's got a good head on his shoulders. So I, I want to see him succeed. I think, you know, you and I talked about him before. Uh, and I think a lot of it is the fact that he was a second round pick that some people mm-hmm. even had as a first round, you know, potential first round pick. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think if for what he's given us, if he were a fourth or fifth round pick, you'd be talking about, you know, the incredible value that we got out of him. And uh, it's unfortunate you, you know, a player can't choose when they're drafted. Um, but right now, if he fits into that nickel role, that's probably going to be a good fit for him. All right. Yeah. And an- another thing we talked about, I think me and you talked about this, but it, it doesn't help that whenever the Falcons got him in the second round, everybody's like, Oh, they just got to steal the draft. I mean, exactly. Yeah. And you know, he, he, he was a first round talent. This is a great pick. I can't believe he's still sitting here and the Falcons just got him. And I, I don't think that helps them at all. That's not his fault. Uh, right. And it, like, yeah. And for a bounce back here. Yeah, a lot of hype, uh, and absolutely, that, that that factors into it. And honestly, you got to evaluate these guys not on their draft position or the hype coming out. You just you have to evaluate them by how they play and how they grow and how they develop. 
and, and that's what we try to do. And, and we try to, you know, balance out sort of the hot takes of whether guys are trash or not, uh, <laughs> you know, that's out there. So uh, let's be realistic, folks. Uh, Isaiah Oliver is not going to light it up, but he's he is he's got a role, and I think he can play that role fairly well. Um, all right, behind him now. This is interesting. This is a player I didn't even think would necessarily make the roster, and it still remains to be seen what the Falcons ultimately do with him. But Kendall Sheffield, uh, who is going into his third year, you know, former fifth round pick, he had a terrible 2020. Um, to be blunt, you know, they they essentially benched him at one point. The key was so bad, and he's got the capability. He is an athletic uh, kid. He's someone that can make plays, but he was just getting roasted on the regular. Did not play at all this preseason, um, and he made the fifty-three man roster. I, I, I'm not entirely sure why the Falcons the the fifty-three man roster as it's composed right now is very odd. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got eleven defensive backs, which you know more, normally most teams sort of peak out at about ten. Um, you know, and, and uh, it was interesting to see them carry Kendall Sheffield. The two drafted rookies did make it, uh, Darren Hall uh, and Avery Williams. Uh, In my mind, Darren Hall is someone that needs a little bit more seasoning. I think they're carrying him to redshirt him in the same way we mentioned earlier. He's a player that I think will probably start off inactive on game days. Avery Williams, though, came on pretty strong towards the back end of these preseason games, Uh, not even to mention the fact that he was really drafted to be our punt returner. Um, and it, as a corner was beginning to show out at, at the back end of camp. So how do you feel about these last three guys uh, at the corner position? Yeah, this is, this is where the grade starts to tail off for me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, depth, the depth is absolutely concerning. And my thing is, uh, you know, I understand Darren Hall, Avery Williams' work in progress. You know, who really knows about Kendall Sheffield at this point? But, you know, we talk about, you know, if you want to make the roster, you can contribute on special teams. Well, tackling is not exactly Kendall Sheffield's forte. You know, oh, he's, no. he's, a, he's, a, he's a really good athlete, and he has some ball skills, but he's not a very physical guy, uh, which is kind of why I was surprised. I thought they were going to keep Chris Williamson over him, which I'm glad they kept him on the practice squad. Um, but the depth is definitely very concerning. I think Darren Hall, uh, I, I, I gave him the DeMonte KV comp down at the same school, mm-hmm. uh, that hybrid safety corner combo. And I, I think he can be a contributor one day. I don't think he's just going to step in immediately and, you know, lead, lead the NFL in interception. Um, <laughs> but I, I think Darren Hall is going to be a solid contributor one day. I don't think it's right now. Uh, yep. I'm really trying to not get myself too excited over Avery Williams uh, playing well in the preseason. Uh, but Hey, if these guys got to come into the game, it's, it's baptism by fire. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna play well on special teams. I think they'll both definitely contribute in a big way there. Um, but you know, this this these are two guys that I think have long term potential. But stepping in immediately, I you know they might see some problems. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm 100 with you there. Uh, I, I do like their long term potential, and I think Avery Williams will be of the two is going to be the one active on game days simply because of the special teams component. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the long term, they could be, you know, guys that you go to for depth or maybe even eventually become, you know, contributors in nickel and dime sets on the regular. But yeah, like if they're getting into games this year uh, consistently, that's going to be a problem. And Kendall Sheffield, mm-hmm. I'm with you. I, I, I thought Williamson was going to push Sheffield off the roster. Um, and I'm still not sure because the thing is like Sheffield is not a draft pick of this regime, which was what yeah. was sort of, you know, surprising. It's like, why are they keeping this guy around? 
He was bad last year. He's been injured. I thought at minimum they would put him on injured reserve and open mm-hmm. up that spot to put someone like Chris Williams in there. So it's really like if Sheffield doesn't get healthy enough to play on, in the next you know week or so, they're essentially their depth is going to be two rookies behind Isaiah Oliver, and that to your yeah. point is really concerning. Um, again, not trying to take away from what we think is the long-term potential, but these guys are not ready to be regular contributors as corners on defense, at least not from what I've seen. And and it sounds like you agree with that. Um, Mm -hmm. So with that, what kind of grade do you give to these corners with all of that taken into consideration? Well, maybe, maybe by the time we're done recording, they'll put a waiver claim in and and get somebody else. That's what I thought they should have done. Um, I hope so. it, yeah, I, I guess it's Kendall Sheffield's contract is the appeal. Uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, I, I don't have an answer for that. I guess they really like the kids, like you said, not their pick. Uh, I, I like the top. Um, I wouldn't say they're an elite group, but I like the top. I think they're a competent group. The depth does worry me. I like their long term outlook, and I give them a C for that. Yeah, the uh, in my mind, the, the starters would get like a B plus, but then the depth gets like a, a, a D plus, so it averages yeah. out to like a C. But, you know, it's, again, with the uh, understanding that Darren Hall and Avery Williams could very well develop into much better players over time. Again, if they're in here this year, if they're playing in the first few games, uh, I'm going to feel very uncomfortable <laughs> with where the <laughs> defense is at. Oh, my word. Well, that's hey, well, at least you got guys like TJ Green, Richie Grant, uh, even Deron Harmon that have that corner flexibility. Yep. Uh, so you can mask a little bit of that. You know, that kind of plays into it. I, I, I'm only going to take guys who are cornerbacks into account, but I think that'll help them out a lot if they do run into depth issues, yeah. um, which is good, which is definitely good. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And, and I think that should be emphasized. Guys like TJ Green, Jalen Hawkins, Richie Grant will probably, and again, with Dean Pease and how he likes to, to use these guys, they will probably get opportunities to be in those you know, big nickel sets uh, and, and to help out in that regard. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think they're going to turn to Hall and Williams this year on the regular for cornerback help, unless there are injuries. And, you know, I mentioned this on the last podcast I did with uh, Gina and Matt. The reality is this, uh, for those of you who are listening, um, there was no way that Terry Fontenot was going to rebuild the entire depth of this roster in one year. It just wasn't going to happen with the salary cap situation being what it was uh, with, you know, the Falcons. And, and then, you know, on top of that, everything else that happened with Julio uh, there was no way for them to rebuild all of the depth. I think he did as good as he could with filling out decent to high quality starters on both defense and offense. Um, but the depth is going to take time. It's going to take probably several years to begin to cycle through, you know, several draft classes and veteran signings and going through that process, you know, freeing up cap space and getting that mess taken care of before we're going to see depth that we're going to go into a season feeling like we're not, it's not going to be the end of the world. If one or two guys get injured. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. And you know, it, we could play the if game all get, uh, all day. And uh, of course, um, you know, it, it was pretty much financially impossible before the draft, but man, I would have loved to have that second round pick before this draft. This was a really nice class for corner. Oh, yeah. safeties, at least in my opinion, in that second round, and, you know, you could have double dipped on Richie Grant, maybe like an Andre Cisco, somebody like that. Uh, I think that would have helped a lot. Definitely. And uh, it, it sounds like it seems like uh, Fontenot is going to put a lot of stock in keeping draft picks going forward, uh, mm-hmm. unlike the previous GM. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh man, got so many things I could say. I'm just going to leave that one alone, actually. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, final thoughts on this defense, Jake, as we go into the season. If you're going to give them an overall grade, how are you feeling about them? Ah, man, I really want to be nice to them because I like these guys and I like the coaching. But if we're talking about the roster, we're talking about the Jamies and the Joes. Ah, okay. Let me go. I'm going to go B minus just because they have so many. I, th- I think, I think, you know, yeah, there's depth issues, but I think when you look at Grady Jarrett, my expectations, at least personal for Dante Fowler, the inside linebackers, AJ Terrell, that's the pieces are there. There's some really good yeah. pieces there. Um, and you know, uh, th- this is a defense. We've said they're going to have to be a sum of their parts. They're not a, just some superstar dominant unit, uh, but they still have, this, they still have superstars, you know, make no mistake about that. So I'm going to give them a B minus. Uh, that might be a little optimistic, but I've, I've been on record plenty of times saying the defense <laughs> might be better than the offense this year. Um, which, Hey, you know, I, it, I'd be happy about that because I think the offense is going to be pretty good, but Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I have my personal biases. I think B minus is fair. If you want to say C plus, something like that, I'm not going to argue with you over it. But I'm curious to hear what you think. Well, that's good because I was going with C plus. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, and with again the the noted caveat that uh, a coordinator like Dean Pease can have a big influence on that grade, and he could take what is arguably a C, you know, C plus unit and maximize it and get like a, you know, a high B out of them. I don't think this is ever going to be with the current roster, you know, the 2021 roster. I don't think this roster is ever going to crack or come near the top 10. Um, But can they be sort of, you know, a mediocre to average defense this year? I, I think if they stay healthy and some of these guys take the leap forward that we're expecting, then yeah, I think that is within the cards. And that would be better than what we've had in Atlanta in a very long time. And, you know, and then that becomes something you can build off of. If you have a defense that finishes like in the top 18, top 19 of DVOA, similar to what they did last year, again, I feel like the defense gets trashed a lot and, and they certainly have a bad history. But they actually finished uh, in that top 20 uh, for DVOA, which is a, a really good advanced metric to pay attention to when it comes to defense because it takes into account the competition they've faced. Um, I think when you factor that in, when you look at that, them finishing in the 15 to 18 range is not that much of a stretch, especially when you know you, you do have players, as you mentioned, like Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones and Luakun that you know, are really sort of top, you know, top quality starters. Um, in the C plus in my mind is because the depth is full of question marks. Again, guys mm-hmm. with promise guys that could eventually become something, but I'm, we're not all, you know, we're not going to anoint these guys until they do anything. So yeah. we can, we can only hope, uh, and I've got big hopes for guys like Ogan Deji, but they have to prove it and they have to earn it. Um, hey, hey, I think I think it was since Morris took over. I think they were nice, maybe until the last Tampa game. But hey, fun trivia question: Before that Super Bowl, only team to hold Patrick Mahomes under twenty points in his NFL career, twenty twenty Atlanta Falcons. There you go. I mean, that's um, the proof's in the pudding. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I feel like this unit is is going to surprise some people because what's funny is uh, I actually uh, I think. You know, last year I was sort of trashing the defense on Twitter and Aaron Freeman sort of called me out. He's like, are you sure they're that bad? I was like, yeah, I mean, it's the Falcons defense. Of course they're bad. He's like, are you sure they're that bad? I was like, all right, I'm going to go check. 
And when I checked, the DVOA, <laughs> and I checked the DVOA, I was like, oh my God, how are they ranked this high? And then I sort of thought about it. I was like, you know what? The, in, in reality, I think they are better than people realize. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like B minus in that C plus range right now. Um, but they could surprise. Uh, I'm with you. They, they may be a much better unit than, than people are anticipating. So I'm excited to see what they can do, especially with, man, again, let me just reemphasize. You guys go read uh, Mike Rothstein's piece on um, uh, defense coordinator Dean Pease. It's a really good insight into him as a coach, how long he's been coaching. Uh, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, Jake, thank you again for joining me on the podcast. Uh, love having you on as always. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you, what you have going on? Oh, yeah, you can find me uh, Twitter and Instagram at Can't Guard Jake. Uh, as I always have to say, I had it before Michael Thomas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as far as Sports Talk ACL, you know, we're kind of just in the late period now. I don't, I don't think I have any big pieces coming up, uh, but we do have the Talking Birdie co- uh, podcast. We do have the uh, Bloopers Brigade podcast, if you like the Braves. And, uh, and I'll be live tweeting games and I'll probably be drinking while I'm doing it. So that's pretty entertaining. Most of the time. <laughs> yes. That's why you fit in so well at, uh, with us <laughs> alcoholic writers. Uh, we, we absolutely drink through the games. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, as for me guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Falcoholic DW updates for our podcast at Falcoholic pod. And of course our articles daily at the So for Jake Gordon, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk to you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.